the advertising or the marketing people of Madison Avenue have done a very good job of giving us all the bad case of the wants. They tell us you will not be happy in life unless you want something bigger, better, nicer, shinier than what you already have. How many follow me? They've really convinced our children that they need a new phone every time there is a new version out. Not like some of us older people that would not get a new cell phone until it died. My last cell phone I had for six years and my kids razzed me saying, you need an upgrade. I said, are you going to pay for it? No. <laughs> well, my cell phone works just fine. And I got an upgrade, and now I think I got that back in uh, 2019. And it's still working fine. But we have to, as Christians, understand that uh, the marketers of Madison Avenue and this nation, which is sometimes built on greed, that there is a difference between needs and perceived needs. Are you with me? There are needs and then there are perceived needs. And we're going to talk about that today as we are reading through the Bible. And today we've come upon the Ten Commandments. And we're going to look at the Tenth Commandment today. The Tenth Commandment. And we're going to talk about the good provider. Now, you might say, what does that mean, the good provider? Well, the good provider is our Heavenly Father. And when you break this commandment that we're going to talk about today, you are throwing mud in our Heavenly Father's face saying, you don't supply my needs. Therefore, I must go out and meet my own needs. And how many know that even though our God is a good God, he can take offense? He can take offense. So why don't you stand up with me? And we're going to get to the 10th commandment. And we're going to talk about our Heavenly Father, the good provider. And let's read this together. Let's read it together, okay? You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is in your neighbor's. That means his Harley Davidson, his John Deere lawnmower. You with me? Because when you covet what your neighbor has, you're saying, my God, don't bless me like he's blessing my neighbor. And when you do that, God's not happy. God's not happy. So let's talk about that today, and let's open up with a word of prayer, amen? So Father, as we talk about you are our provider today, help us to have open hearts. Help us to realize as we talk about the dangers of greed and selfishness and covetousness, Lord, that we would search our hearts today, and that we, Lord God, would live a Christ-like life, not with green eyes, envying what others have, 
but Lord, with a gratitude heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. If you haven't done yet, please silence your cell phones. Thank you. There was a survey done recently which is showing how the three top problems of marriage are changing. It used to be communication, sex, and money are the three top problems of marriages today. It is now flipped that money now is the top problem of marriages today because people get married and they want to have in three years what took their parents 33 years to have. And when they try to get in three years what took their parents 33 years, they begin to question their vows. Did we say till death do us part or till debt do us part? I don't know, which one was that? <laughs> oh, that we need to be careful of covetousness, which is the same as greed. God help us. Well, let's first of all define the true problem of coveting. Thou shalt not covet, because it makes the good provider look like a poor provider. And he don't like that. He don't like that at all. He wants to be known as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. He wants to be known as what Paul said in Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what he wants to be known of. Now, let's first of all define coveting because you may not know what it is and there's no reason to have uh, guilt that is just demonic guilt because it's not even biblical, but coveting is an unlawful desire which you want something that is not lawfully yours, such as your neighbor's spouse, your neighbor's kids, your neighbor's car, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's job. How many are with me? Now, I didn't say coveting is not wanting things. Did you hear me? It didn't say you can't not want things. When, when you come to Christ, he doesn't neuter you. My goodness. Get it right. He doesn't want you to covet someone else's blessing. He wants you to ask him for the blessings he will give you so you can be grateful to him and not have to break other commandments like stealing, lying, Bearing false witness. You with me? So God wants us to understand that. Um, coveting can go with someone else's salary, someone else's position in life, someone else's influence. Oh, if I only had the position of that person or that person. Well, go to the next verse here. God wants you to know something. And he says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives your neighbor power to get wealth, and you're just going to have to covet that, aren't you? Is that what that says? He gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant of blessing with you, not your neighbor. You don't need to be coveting something that is your neighbor's. You need to get to know the Lord 
our provider yourself. As the psalmist said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what that means, I shall not want? It means I don't have any needs. How I many know oh, that is a hard profession of faith? <laughs> but we have to learn that. We have to learn it. Now, God wants you to have things. He wants you to have a spouse. He wants you to have a family. He wants you to have a nice home. He wants you to have good friends. He wants you to have a job that pays the bills. How many are with me? He wants you to be happy at work. He doesn't want you miserable at work. He wants to be known as the good provider in your life. And that's dependent upon your walk with him and your communication with him. So important that we understand that. So let's get into this, and let's first of all talk about the perplexing problem of greed, coveting, whatever you want to call it. Let's, let's get into this, because Jesus talked a lot about this. When Jesus was walking the earth, he talked a lot about the heart. And he said, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will... So covetousness that comes out of your mouth first comes out of your... Yeah. Very important. Solomon said this in uh, Proverbs 4.23. He said, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it springs the issues of life. Everything in your life springs from your... And what you put in that heart and what you, through the cross of Jesus Christ, allow to be cut out of that heart. How I many you know there's some things we need to apply the cross of Christ to? We were talking to the children this morning about selfishness, and they said, we need to help Jesus, ask Jesus to help us get that out. We pray, and then we act on that. So, there is a great preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon, he had a mega church back at the turn of the uh, 19th century. And he said, of the thousands of people I've seen converted, I have yet to seen one converted from covetousness. Francis Xavier, a famous Catholic priest in the Catholic religion said, of the tens of thousands of confessions I've heard in my life, I have yet to hear one of, Father, forgive me, I am greedy. What are you saying, Pastor? I am saying when we have this sin in us, it stays hidden. It's, I can't see it. Maybe your spouse can't even see it. But the Lord will see it, will he not? He will see it. Look at the next scripture here. Paul talked about this. He was saying to the Thessalonian Christians, he says, when I came to you, for neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for what? I didn't come just to get money out of you and hide it with a cloak. What's he saying? What do we do with covetousness? We cover it. We hide it. We hide it. 
Reminds me of this funny story of the preacher who went out golfing with some businessmen. And these businessmen were very wealthy, but they had foul mouths. And so they would go out and, and they would hit a ball and one would curse. They would curse. And then another one hit a ball and he would curse, sliced it to the left or, you know, had it chopped it, put it into the sand pit. But the preacher, he gave some of the same shots as the others, but he didn't curse. Well, when they played their 18 holes, they went up to the clubhouse to have lunch, and one of the businessmen said, Reverend, I just have to say something to you. You really got it together. You made just the same terrible shots that we made, but I didn't hear you curse once. To which the pastor said, Well, you also didn't see where I spit. <laughs> the grass stopped growing. <laughs> What's he saying? Just because it didn't come out of here, it was still in, right inside. That's the danger of greed, coveting that 10th commandment. So God help us, you know, help us to be careful, not having that unlawful desire to want what someone else wants. And really, coveting really comes down to the heart. Jesus said it in another one in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. He said, from within, out of the heart of men, proceed what? And what are the evil thoughts? Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts. There it is. Did you believe greed is up there with murder? And adultery, coveting is just beside those other heinous sins. Wickedness, deceit, lewdness, evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from what defiles you? The heart. You hear me say it a lot. Christianity is about the heart. Letting Christ change your heart. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You get a brand new start when you come to Christ. But then you got to be a steward of the new start that God gives you. Amen? you got to be a steward of that heart. So God help us with that. And God help us understand that we all have it within us. We're all sinners saved by grace. We're all fallen. We're all children of Adam. And so are your children, parents. This could be just as much a sermon for adults as it can be for parenting. Because you, when your children are young, have to teach them about selfishness and greed and to make sure when you catch it, you deal with it. You deal with it. Little Ralphie and his mom decided to invite some of their friends over from church so that the mothers could have tea and Ralphie could play with his friends Alfonso. So there was a knock at the door and Alfonso came in with his mom and little Ralphie did not go to the door but stayed playing with his 15 toys around him. 
When Alfonso's mother brought Alfonso in, she sat him down near one of the 15 toys and she went into the kitchen to make a pot of tea. Little Alfonso picked up the closest toy near him and began to play with it. Two-year-old Ralphie stood up, left his 14 toys, walked over to Alfonso, grabbed that toy out of his hand, bopped him on the head, and went back to his 14 toys and sat down. Selfishness is a precursor for covetousness. And even though little Ralphie's cute when he's two years old and does it, how many know when he grows up to be an adult, he's not so cute anymore when he does the same stuff? Anybody know any little Ralphies that grew up where mom and dad didn't correct them and they are called narcissists where they think the whole world revolves around them and it's not enough what they have, they also want what you got. In fact, sometimes they hear from the government they're entitled to what you have. We have such anarchy in our nation today that they're not even punishing thieves in some states and some uh, communities because they're stealing, because of district attorneys, because it's evil. Are you with me? How many found out that this week in Portland, Walmart shut down both stores because they're not prosecuting the thieves that are stealing from Walmart, so they're shutting down the businesses in Portland because the mayor won't do anyone. Anyone hear that? Covetousness. I want what Walmart has, and I'm not going to pay for it. It's evil in the sight of God, and it's bringing our nation down, and it's wrong. Wrong. We need more godly Christians to go into politics. We really do. And call right what is right and wrong what is wrong. God help us. Now this greed not only happens in our world, but it gets into the church. How many know as goes the culture? Sometimes that culture comes right into the church. And if we're not careful, we're not Jesus Christians, we are cultural Christians. And if the culture says the good book is out of date and they change things, how many know that good book is the only thing that's eternal on this earth? It does not change. Well, this happened in the early church, and Paul wrote to Pastor Timothy, who was pastoring a church in Ephesus, and he wrote to them and he said, You have some wealthy people there that have not let Christ cut out the greed in their heart. And this is what he wrote to them. He says, listen, a key to being a good Christ follower is this. Godliness with, say it with me, contentment is great gain. Not covetousness. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we will carry nothing. And having food and clothing, with these we shall learn to become content. Two times it says content. 
Now, how many know in America we have more than food? We have more than clothing. So we need to be even more content. Here's the danger. But those in your church, Pastor Timothy, those at Evangelical Christian Church of Waterbury, Connecticut, who desire, who covet, who are greedy to be rich, oh, they're going to fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men, which drown men, which drown women in destruction and perdition. And here it is. Say it with me, please. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrow. Let's, let's talk about this because there's some people that get saved and Christians, you can come to Christ poor and be greedy. You can come to Christ rich and be greedy. You can come to Christ poor and be content. You can come to Christ rich and be content. You with me? Your amount of money has nothing to do with your condition of your heart. It's not how much money you have. It's how much money has you. How many know, it bothers me, people say, money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of evil. And it says, while which some having coveting are in their greediness. Let me tell you what happens to many Christians, and you've seen some of this in the church of Jesus Christ. They've come to the church, they got saved, but there is a money issue. There was a money issue. And the pastor would say like this, when you get saved, there's two things that God wants. If you claim you've given your heart to him, that means he's the Lord of your time and he's the Lord of your pocketbook. <laughs> that doesn't mean God wants all your time and that doesn't mean God wants all your what? But if you can't honor him with your time and with your treasure, for Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there is your... If you can't, you're going to fall in and you're going to stray from the faith because of covetousness and greed, and then you're going to pierce yourself through. I add a word in there. Pierce yourself through with many unnecessary sorrow. How many know we get enough sorrow in life as it is? But when you are addicted to money, you are welcoming more sorrow than what you need. God help us. God help us. Don't ever tell your child, oh, little honey, when you grow up, you go ahead and make all the money that you want. Don't you dare tell your kid that. Because if you start putting that in him while he's young, when little Ralphie grows up, little Ralphie's going to be making money when he should be with his wife. Little Ralphie will be making money when he should be with his son and daughter. Little Ralphie will be making money because mommy and daddy said so when he should be in the church of Jesus Christ giving his time to the Lord. Little Ralphie will be making money when he should be in bed sleeping. Little Ralphie will be making money when he should be fishing, relaxing on a boat, honoring one of the Ten Commandments, honor the Sabbath that it may go well with you. Don't tell your kids the goal in life is to make all the money you can. 
Because you just told them his God will be money. And he will pursue that money like he should be pursuing Jesus Christ. And he will destroy his marriage and his family and his health. The funny thing about some Americans, we destroy our health to get wealth, and then when we're old, we spend all our wealth to get back our... Isn't that one of the oxymorons of America? Parents, teach your children to watch out for greed. Teach them to be careful. Teach your children what Jesus said in Luke 16. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both mammon or money and who? Now, parents, your children are going to try to prove Jesus wrong on this. Your children will try to prove Jesus wrong and say, I can serve Jesus and money. And they will pierce themselves through with many sorrows and they will stray from the faith and they'll stray from a marriage and they'll stray from their kids and they will stray from their health and they will slip down to the hole of destruction. Let me tell you something. Greed is an octopus in your soul that's tentacles will draw you down to hell. There are only two roots in the Bible that will bring a Christian down to hell. Only two. The love of money is the root of what? The love of money is the first root. If you don't let Christ deal with that in your heart, it will bring you to hell. And then there's one other root we must all deal with. The root of bitterness that springs up and defiles many. If you don't learn to forgive God says he forgives you as you forgive. You got to deal with the root of bitterness and you got to deal with the root of the love of money. These two things keep Christians out of heaven. This is why your pastor is talking to you today. So when you get to the pearly gates and they say, no, 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 you serve the idol of money, you won't look at me and say, pastor, why didn't you tell me? The love of money is an octopus hidden in your soul. Bitterness, I guess you could call it its cousin. The big, large squid. <laughs> Little cousins. They'll both drag you to hell. And they'll drag your children to hell. And parents, well, you can, while they're in your house, force them to be kind. Do you know my parents used to make me hug my brothers and sisters when we got in a fight and say I'm sorry. Did anyone ever go through that cruel cruelty other than pet? Put your hands up. Oh, okay, I'm among, I mean, when you were just ready to deck them, no, you go over there and hug them and you, and, and as my sister, kiss her on the cheek. Oh, whoa, you're killing me. And I found out later, it was really only killing my pride. It was killing my pride. Forcing me to be kind. Well, how many know you don't have to force me to be kind to my wife? Married 33 years. If you had to, I wouldn't be married. You with me? You have to force your children sometimes. 
when they're young to do things and to warn them about certain evils. Therefore, put to death the cross of Jesus Christ, your members which are on earth, and what are we to put to death? Fornication, sex outside of marriage, uncleanness, passion, not focused, evil desires, and here's a big one, read it with me, and covetousness, which is... Did you know that greed is an idol? Do you know that if you covet unlawfully someone else's stuff, that you not only break the 10th commandment, but you break the first commandment, you shall have no other because you have an idol. And you break the second commandment that says, you shall not make any image. And money is an image. It's a, when you break covetousness, you break other commandments. And this is why we need to be careful. All of them. Parents, tell your children about greed. Tell your children. Teach them about selfishness and kindness. And more importantly than that, parents, listen to me. There's a difference between teaching and training. Teaching is what you tell them to do. Training is what you show them by example. So you teach them when you come to the house of God, you come with an offering. You come and you bring an offering. And then you show them, this is what, see this? this? See this? I put my offering in today. This is dad's envelope. This is what dad puts in. You show them. When you go out to a restaurant and you say, look at the sun, Bill. It's 50, it's, or the bill, son, is 50 bucks. But we're going to put a tip down there. Now, they say tips are anywhere from 10 to 20%. You know what? It's funny. When I was young, it was 10. Now it's 20. It keeps going up. But son, let me tell you something. A tip is a tip for someone who does a good job. So our tip will be determined on how good the waiter or the waitress done. You show your kids this. You show them. This is what I did when my kids were young. I say, this is the tip. This is what I'm given. And when you're old, you're going to pay a tip. And then we would go out and they would pay. And I'd say, don't, pay, don't forget the tip. Oh, Dad, come. No, you put a tip down. Now, fast forward. They're 27 and, or, or 26 and 29. And, and I'm, Dad still takes them out and pays for the bill. Can you believe that? What's up with that? <laughs> and then, you know, they ask me, how much you tipping, Dad? How much? You, you know why they're asking? Because who taught them that? To teach your children is to tell them what to do. To train your children is to show them how you're doing it. Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they shall not. Well, I brought mine up and, and, and he, went, he went way off. Well, did you teach him or did you train him? Did you tell them what to do and live hypocritically opposed to your teaching? Or did your teaching line up with your example? How many with me? All right. Let's get to the proper perspective. 
Talking about greed, covetousness, how are we to respond to this sin, which is very dangerous? So first of all, parents, you can tell your kids this. Kids, let your conduct be without covetousness, greed, narcissism. Be what? Be content with such things you have. And here's the key. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor... Who said that? Who is he? The good provider. What is the good provider saying? I am here with you. The good provider saying, you learn to be content with what I give you and not covet. I'm here. It's called omnipresence. It means he's ever-present and he's as close as a prayer away. That's the secret of satisfaction. It really is. When you learn to be satisfied with what God has given you, it doesn't mean he's not going to give you any more, but we have to be content and be grateful. What, well, what, what can be grateful for? Well, one of the things I taught my kids around the dinner table and before they went to bed was always to thank God for something. What can you thank God for? Well, thank God that I'm a Christian. John 1.12, but as many as believed on him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I am a son of God, and I'm grateful. I am a part of the spiritual family of God. You may have a good physical family. You got a good spiritual family. Maybe you have a terrible physical family. Well, you got a good spiritual family. Be grateful. You get a new start. If I quoted this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Thank you, God. I'm a new creation. Proverbs 18.23, he who desires a wife, he who has a wife has a good thing and obtains favor from God. Thank you, Lord, I have a good spouse. Uh, Psalms 127.3, children, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and he who has them is blessed. You know what they say today? I can't afford to have children. Don't you dare let that come out of your mouth with the good provider never leaving nor forsaking you, saying that he can't provide for you to have children. That's a slap in the face. So we have people getting married today. Now, I'm thinking if they can't have children, but some people get married today, and they don't want children. Do you know the purpose of marriage is threefold? The act of sexual intimacy is for number one, consummation of a marriage, number two, procreation, number three, pleasure. What has, what, what has America done? <laughs> pleasure, procreation, and what's the last? Consummation. You got a spouse, you got children. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something watching on TV. I'm taking my kids with me to heaven, but you can't take your wealth. Children don't make a rich man poor. Children make a poor man rich. Amen? Something to be grateful for. Well, let me wrap it up. Paul said in Philippians 4, 11 to 12, Now, not that I speak in regard to need or want, 
For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. There's that word, content. I know how to be abased, how to be in poverty. He was in prison a couple times. And I know how to abound. I know how to be prosperous. Do you know? Teach your children that all through life, even when you get a job, there will be seasons of poverty and seasons of prosperity. How many know when you get a job, poverty doesn't go away and it's all prosperous from there? There are seasons of poverty, seasons of prosperity. We just came through Genesis with Joseph. Did not Joseph go through seasons of prosperity and poverty? Do you think he was prospering in prison? I don't think so. How about through the seven years of famine? I don't think so. But then the seven years of plenteous, oh yeah, he was prospering. And then in Potiphar's house, he was prospering. Everyone goes through seasons of poverty and prosperity. It's why you don't keep your eyes on money. You keep your eyes on the good provider. The good provider. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Most of us Americans are full. Very few of us are really hungry compared to third world countries. Both to abound, prosper, and what? And suffer. That's right. Oh, where am I going here? That's it. Now let me close with a couple things you need to know about. There's an individual by the name of John Muir who was a naturalist. John Muir from California. John Muir was the creator and the founder of Yellowstone National Park. Anyone know what Yellowstone National Park is? He lived a very simple life when he was alive. In fact, he said of the railroad millionaire E.H. Harriman, he said, I have more money than he does. And someone said, John, how could you say you have more money than the wealthiest railroad man in the whole nation? And he said this, because I have all the money that I want, and he doesn't. Did you get that? He's content. How could you say you have, you're more wealthier than him because I have all the money that I want and he doesn't. It's a secret to being not greedy. Now let me give you parents four things you need to tell your kids of how to cut out of our sinful nature greed. Number one, you can't do it without Jesus Christ. You can't. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ can replace the idol of money. It's either Jesus the master or money the idol. There's no other. Now, many Americans try to prove Jesus wrong and say, oh yeah, I'm going to serve Jesus and money. It always fails. Always fails. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you... Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, 
man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Either Jesus is in your heart or the love of money. You can't have both. Notice I said the love of money. The second thing you need to teach your children, parents, listen to me, you need to teach them an attitude of gratitude. And you can do this every day at the dinner table. When you go around and you pray and you bless the food, have your kids learn to pray. And always have your kids say one thing they're grateful to Jesus for for that day. Not for yesterday, not for next week. For that day. I made my kids every day tell Jesus in a prayer one thing. I forced them. Is that child abuse? No. It's called parental authority. And you only got it till they're in the house. Because when they're gone, they're gone, Jack. Then they got to figure out if they want your values or theirs. And your values stick if you did it right when they were with you. You make them. Thank you, Lord God, for this food. Some people don't have food. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm in school. Some people don't go to school. Thank you, Lord, that I have a dad. Thank you, Dad. My mom's a good provider. Thank you that I have clothes. Thank you, Lord, I did good on a test. Thank you, Lord, that we have a good church. I mean, it's very easy. First Corinthians or First Thessalonians 5.23. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You want to cut out selfishness? Get them to be grateful. Grateful for what they have. Number three. The third thing to cut that greed out of our children's lives is to teach them how to grace someone. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Where did the grace come from in your life? It's a gift of God. Did you deserve it? No. So when you grace someone else, you give them a gift. Do they deserve it? No. I tell my boys, you cannot outgrace God. Anytime you're kind to someone, you're good to someone, God will give that back to you. It's the law of the harvest. We reap what we You teach your kids to be kind. It's called gracing someone. You tell them when someone comes over to the house, why are we having so-and-so over to the house? Well, mom and dad, we work hard. We're paying this meal because we like these people. Well, are we giving more money than what they're giving when they come over? Oh, yes, they may bring flowers, but we're giving more than them. Why do we do that, mom and dad? Because we're doing what Jesus did. We're gracing someone. Wow, that's a nice big gift. Does everyone give that gift to grandma? No, we're giving a little bit more. Why are you giving a bigger gift to grandma than others? Because we're gracing grandma, because we're grateful for grandma. I used to make my kids give Christmas gifts to some singles and um, uh, families with no fathers or, or unfortunate people. I used to make them give gifts when they were young. Do you know why? because I have the parental authority to. I'm shocked that parents don't know the authority and power that God has given them. You only have it for 16, 18 years. But you know what? One of my kids was grateful all the way through me forcing him to do things. 
The other kid didn't be grateful till he went to boot camp. And then he came back from boot camp and he said to me and mom, you were right. Do you know how messed up this world is? You wouldn't believe what I found out at boot camp. Use your authority. Last thing you need to do with your kids, you need to teach them to be givers. You need to teach your kids to be givers. Now listen to me carefully. There are two types of people in this life. Two types of Christians, two types of non-Christians. Two types of family members, two types of cousins, two types of people at work. There are only two types of people in this world. There are givers and there are takers. Givers are the people who have overcome greed and covetousness, who have let Jesus cut out of their lives the love of money. Takers are people that are covetous and they want what you got. Now, we all want friends that are givers. We all have to suffer with takers in our family around the dinner table every Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and don't we? There are givers in your life that will add to your life because God has blessed them with giving. Am I right? Then there are some people that you're so blessed to know, they don't add to your life, they multiply to your life. Do you know anyone that they give you wisdom, they, they give you a down payment on a house, and that little 5000 turns into a $100,000 house, and then you sell it for $150,000, and that $5,000 gift that you gave back, they multiplied in your life. You with me? And then there are takers. They subtract from you. And then... Little mom, uh, uh, mom and dad that never taught their kids that selfishness is always so cute. They grow up and they marry a taker. And mom and dad try to tell them, don't marry them, don't marry them. And they marry them and that little taker doesn't subtract from their life. That taker divides and divorces and takes how much? 50%. How many are with me? Who decides whether your children become givers or takers? You do. I forced my kids to give 10% of their money when they started making money, when they got an allowance from three, four, five, six, seven. You get two bucks, you give God 20 cents. You get five bucks, you give God 50 cents. I forced them as long as they were in my house. They started working at the pizza joint. They made $200, they gave 20 bucks. I said, you don't like it? There's the door, Jack. You know what? They never seem to take me up on that. They always seem to stay because of this fridge, the fridge. <laughs> and at the height of my wife's and my poverty, how I many know we all go through seasons in poverty? At the height of our poverty when my kids were living, we spent $300 a week in groceries. <laughs> And I said, you think I can spend $300 for groceries a week on you two boys and you can't give God five bucks? Not in this house. And I forced my kids to give. And when we went out and they wanted to pay for dinner, I forced them to be a tipper. And when they got haircuts, I forced them to give the barber a tip. I don't got girls, so if I had girls, it would be the pedicure, the manicure, you know, whatever. I forced my kids to be givers, and then they moved out. 
Do you think they're givers today? Do you think they went to the court and sued the dad to disown being a part of the Heights because I forced them to do stuff against their will? No, I had to do hard things. And I wasn't perfect. I was far from perfect. But thank God for my wife. How many know that when you're about to kill him one day, your wife, she's, she's right there? And then when she pulls out a kitchen knife, you're, you're right there. Hold on, honey, hold on. And then when, when I pull out a bat, she's like, hold on, hold on. Parents, set your children up to not break the 10th commandment. Thou shalt not covet. Teach them the relationship of Christ is primary. Teach them to be grateful in all things. Teach them to grace others with the grace and kindness that God has given to them. And then lastly, this is the hardest one, teach them to give. Don't give them a buck and say, put it in the offering plate. They have learned nothing from you giving them money to give it to God. It has to come from their earnings. It's got to come from their heart. It's got to come from their heart. And if you will do that, you will teach your kids what a good provider our Heavenly Father really is. Amen? Amen. Stand up with me, would you please? Father, you are a good provider. You are the good shepherd. You are the great shepherd. You're so full of grace. We sang that song, Grace, today. I pray, Lord God, that this message will go into our hearts, that we would honor you as our God, as a good God. Help us, Lord, to not let our greed and selfishness, Lord God, throw mud at you. But Lord, may we let our light so shine that people will see our good works and they will glorify you in heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.